0: People have the experience of when they go out into the world, uh, it's pretty stressful. Sometimes, um, being being around people again, and um, you know, trying to keep a distance, and being concerned about, you know, wanting to be safe, and also now as there's more talk of opening things up and know what might come having no clear idea of what the future will be like uh, once we start to go out into the public more again Um, not to say that that's going to happen immediately or anytime soon I really don't know it's all uncertain right it's that it's that um, that thing Ajahn Chah talked about so much, you know, how uncertain things are. And those Dhamma teachers who have realized, like Ajahn Chah, who I think um, had taken the practice to its complete conclusion, arahantship. you know, they know, they see how impermanent everything is. They see how uncertain all of our plans are. They see how things can change in you know a flash and how if we can really take that in we don't worry about it um, it's, it's amazing the more we take in that reality the less fear we have the less concern and when something happens it's like yeah when something changes that's you know Things aren't the way we expected them to be. They aren't going the way we want them to go. Uh, There's a much more of of an ability to ride that. And to realize that oftentimes it feels like something's wrong or something's going bad, and yet in the end it might be a, a great thing that's happened, a great teacher, or... Um, actually the the best possible kind of um, change for us, regardless of that. It's not about, do I get what I want or do I, um, you know, evolve in the way that I want to evolve? Do I have the conditions? It's more about how do we do it? What do we do? How do we make use of it? Um, I heard someone say recently, instead of thinking about things from the perspective of what is done to me, think about what is done for me. Uh, that, that all of these changes can be for our benefit if we make use of them. Um, and also just the perspective of instead of what is done to me, uh, what is done for me, we're seeing the, the ways in which we are supported putting your attention on the things that you know, are helping us. I think last time I talked about that talk by the psychiatrist and he talked about um, you know, being grateful for what didn't go wrong you know, in your day. Being, and then secondly, being grateful for what went right. And thirdly, being grateful for what didn't go right. And so it's like you know everything is teaching us, right? Um, so I was reflecting a bit on fear because you know what we're, when we're when our mind leaves the present moment and goes into the future, often what we experience is fear or uneasiness, anxiety, or something like it, and. I was thinking about some of the great stories that we've heard from the Thai forest tradition about fear. Uh, For example, when the Buddha was still an unenlightened, still unenlightened, but
1: uh, striving
0: for enlightenment. And he was practicing in the jungle and fear would arise. And he, he was looking at, you know, how difficult it is to be alone in the forest, um, practicing, and how the mind can get out of um, out of balance and um, become fearful. And he he thought about his virtues. This is a sutta in the Middle Link Discourses, in sutta number four, and I think we'll take this one for Wednesday night because it's so lovely. We've done it before, um, but it's been a while. So I think just looking at how the Buddha handled fear uh, is is appropriate right now. Um, I mean, I'm I really want to express empathy and caring for all the situations people are finding themselves in that are so difficult. You know, many businesses are closing and people are losing their jobs and It's not like this is easy and it's also not evenly um, distributed, you might say. Many of us are fine where we are. We're quite content benefiting even from this experience. And many people are finding the very things that they depend upon being pulled out from under them. And, you know, it's this, teaching of dealing with life's changes and being happy and at ease in the mind is not just for the good times or the beneficial circumstances. It's really for the very toughest of times. And those can happen to any of us at any time. You know, we may feel like we are immune to certain things, but actually we're not. We're in a human body. Um, it can it can um, fall apart any which way, any time. Um, you know so it's so it's important instead of you know thinking about that and tightening up and feeling fear. First first thing is there's nothing wrong with tightening up and feeling fear. What's important is noticing that. That's where the mindfulness. Um, comes in immediately. Like if if you feel the tightening, if you feel fear arising, this is the first wonderful thing that you can do is to be aware of it. So right there, you're engaging mindfulness. This is the step towards freedom. This is the step towards real immunity. And then once we feel it, we see it, have some compassion for it have some compassion for ourselves, for our own body and mind, system, so that we're not blaming ourselves or um, somehow, you know, abandoning ourselves. But instead to hold that with a tenderness. And then the Buddha, what he did was he looked at his virtues. He said... You know, someone who comes to the forest, who's uh, not purified their bodily, verbal, and mental conduct, they might feel fear, but I have good mental conduct. I have good bodily conduct. I have good verbal conduct. I don't need to be afraid. It's an interesting connection that he makes, that when we reflect on our virtues, we f- reflect on the good things that we do. He talked about livelihood. He talked about a whole, his a whole list. i go through it on Wednesday night. Um, of, of the ways in which he practiced that makes it grounding and supportive and the, the source of confidence um, to address the fear and to let it go. And it's, it's it's like the fear does need to be addressed. And this um, wonderful story about Ajahn Chah, which I'm sure some of you have heard many times, um, one of the main fears that he dealt with was the fear of ghosts, which is very prevalent in Thai culture. And I think um, for those who are uh, tuned in to um, the other living beings that, are around that we don't usually see, um, they can understand this kind of fear. And the story is written up really uh, in detail in Stillness Flowing, which is uh, the biography that Ajahn Saro wrote of Ajahn Chah's life. And I think it's on page 65, you can find it. Um, the The PDF form of the book is on our website under books, under teachings. So if you wanna look it up, you can read it for yourself. But Ajahn Chah faced this, his his greatest fear by practicing in the charnel ground. And the night he decided to practice there in the cemetery, the villagers brought in a body and buried it. Um, instead of cremating it, there's a footnote that talks about what the conditions are they bury the body instead. So there's this fear of the spirit of the person coming um, with the ability to actually harm him. And he talks about that experience through the night, how he gets through the night, and then he stays a second night. And again, the villagers bring a body, this time they cremate it right there in front of where he's camping. And he, this night, he goes through a very intense experience and comes through it completely free of fear. So to, to, to look at how he did that and how we might do that, when we're facing whatever kind of degree of fear we might have, to be able to stay present with it and really reflect, like what, what is this fear about? What he came to was he was afraid of death. And then he's looking at why, why would I be afraid of death? And a, it's, um, it's related to another sutta that I really love and you may have heard me quote before in the Anguttara Nikaya. It's in the Book of Nines, um, sutta number five. And it's about four powers and five fears. And the Buddha said, if you develop these four powers, then you will never have to have these five fears anymore. And the five fears are the fear of loss of livelihood, which so many people are experiencing now. The fear of, of feeling timid or afraid in, in assemblies, in groups of people. We might be having a bit of that now too. Um, The fear of getting a bad reputation or the fear of death or the fear of what comes after death. These five fears can be completely um, released, relieved by four powers that you'd like to know. (laughs) So The first power is, I believe, the power of wisdom, which the Buddha defines as the ability to know what's wholesome and what's unwholesome. The second power is the power of energy, the energy to cultivate the wholesome and reject the unwholesome. The third one is the power of blamelessness, and what that means is keeping moral virtue, so that regardless of what anyone would accuse you of, you know you're not, you're not guilty. False accusations of the Buddha, um, even really terrible ones. You got this woman pregnant and then you killed her. That was one thing that happened at the time of the Buddha. The whole town is talking about it. The monks come back from alms round, telling the Buddha, he said, in seven days this will have died out. He was completely free of any stain in that regard. In any regard, actually, in his case. (laughs) So this power of blamelessness, which again comes out where the Buddha is talking about dealing with fear. If we're really not blamable, we can let go of being afraid. phrase. And then the power, the, this one, this last one, I found really interesting when I first read this sutta, um, the power of sustaining favorable relationships. Another thing that's very important right now that we reach out to the people that we admire, that we respect, that we love, um, that we want to encourage, um, sustaining favorable relationships, our, our support system, our, um, our community, um, those who can remind us of our own goodness and we can remind of theirs those people who will come together to help each other. And this is um, this is a way that this is real community when we really are willing to take care of each other. We have two friends who have had COVID um, nineteen now. Um it's, uh, they each one actually one had it. Um, they each had it about a month, but actually it's a little longer. It's been about six weeks for um, for the husband and the wife. Maybe about five weeks, but they started getting over it. I think um, about a week or so ago, and it's taken a long time. Fortunately, they have good friends who are bringing them food, who are looking after them, picking up an oximeter, <laughs> you know, this kind of thing is really being there for them, checking in on them, um, you know, paying attention, caring. They weren't in it alone. What I was told is what they found was that meditation was the one thing that really helped, that the body could calm down and re- and heal. Um, but to just Recognize that whatever we have to go through, bring together your friends. And if there aren't enough friends, make more. And look for people who keep the precepts (laughs) and are really um, sources of virtue and happiness in our lives. And be that for others too. So these are ways that we can let go of those fears. We don't have to worry as much. We don't have to be afraid of, you know, things falling apart. We don't have to um, be afraid of dying. We don't have to be afraid of what might happen after we die. You can, if you really dig into these powers, you can understand why. And Ajahn Chah did the same kind of thing. Really looking at, you know, why should I be afraid of death? I know I'm going to die. That will happen. But so what? You know, it's like live the life you want to live now in the present moment in terms of virtue, in terms of generosity, in terms of kindness. And don't worry about whatever came before this. Um, I think about the story of Angulimala. you know, he was a serial killer. And after he, uh, after the Buddha helped him, and he followed the Buddha even before he became enlightened, he was, he had a, that was a big change, of course, waking up from that horror um, in a way. But he wasn't fully enlightened immediately. He's staying with the Buddha. He became a monk, he went out on alms rounds, he's beginning to become really compassionate towards people and he saw this woman in childbirth. Remember, this is India, ancient India. He's on alms round and he sees a woman in childbirth. This is pretty, something we don't get to do but it's not going well, she's having a terrible time, and also there are no real medical um, kind of procedures like we have now. He comes back from almshara, he goes to the Buddha, and he says, there's just so much suffering. You know, I saw this woman in so so much agony, uh, giving birth, and the Buddha tells him, okay, go back to this woman and tell her that you have never um, harmed, intentionally harmed a living being. And by this truth, may you be healthy. And he says, but wouldn't that be a direct lie, given that I've killed so many beings? And the Buddha said, well, okay, tell them after your, your birth in the holy life, you've never intentionally harmed any living being. And so he does. He goes back. And and it's very clear that the, the Buddha and his disciples understood the power of truth. And he says to her, Since my birth in the holy life, I have never intentionally harmed a living being. And by this truth, may you and your baby be well. She has the baby, they're both fine. And you know, it's it's this is a chant that monks and nuns do for women who are giving birth still to this day. <laughs> and it's like this is this is where we can see how whatever we've done in the past, we can we can make that we can turn that corner no matter how minor it might be from today onwards. Keeping that virtue, knowing what's wholesome, working at really, really increasing the wholesome and decreasing the unwholesome. so that's my reflection. Oh, one more part. I wanted to read this. This is also by Ajahn Jayasaro, who wrote the biography of Ajahn Chah. The Buddha taught that mental suffering is a consequence of mental defilement, and that no defilement ever goes away by itself. Defilements can only be abandoned through the practice of the Eightfold Path. If that is true, then the sooner we start to practice the Dhamma with sincerity and a sense of urgency, the better. Sooner or later, this work will have to be done. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then the day after tomorrow. If not the day after tomorrow, then next week. If not next week, then next month. If not next month, then next year. If not next year, then the year a later year. If not in this life, then in a future life. As we have no guarantees as to our physical health, our access to the teachings, or even a human birth in the future, it makes sense to apply ourselves while we are benefiting from supportive conditions. Time is precious, use it wisely.